Hello, Business Building Warrior. Welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio, the podcast that features hundreds of success story interviews with the students of the proven Amazon course, the premier Amazon training in the Amazon selling universe. If you didn't know about us, that's what we do here is we help people who are even brand new and never had success online before, all the way up to people who have built beautiful businesses online. We help them scale forward at the pace that's right for them. Some people move quickly, some move a little more slowly. Some people fit the business into the cracks of their busy schedule. Some people go all in, build something big very quickly. We've got everything from stay-home moms making a few extra hundred dollars a week up to seven-figure, multiple seven-figure business owners using the strategies that we teach for Amazon seller success. And quite often, once a week or so, we like to bring on some of the coaches on our team. Lately, it's been Brian and Robin Joy Olson really stepping up and delivering some incredible content. We've got about 60 coaches on our team at this point. If you didn't know it, all of our coaches have a couple things in common. They've built beautiful businesses using the proven Amazon course strategies, and they've got a teacher's heart, which means they just can't help themselves but to constantly be educating others on how abundant this opportunity is and how wide open it is for all of us who want to step in. So we're going to get some strategy discussion today from Brian and Robin Joy Olson. Again, two great coaching leaders on our team. I'll turn the microphone over to them in just a moment. They're going to talk about the importance of having a diversified approach to Amazon, especially as you're starting out, not to get too deep into one product or too deep into one category even. We call it the inch deep mile wide strategy, meaning you're not going super deep into any one product. You're spreading your risk out over a whole bunch of different products and you're not going too deep into any of them. If one of them starts to perform well, you may go a little deeper into it. One of the rules I always teach is never have more than one month's supply of any product. No ASIN should ever have more than one month's of attention from you because you just don't know what the future holds as a reseller or a wholesaler, or even if you're building bundles and you think you've got a unique position, well, things can change quickly in the Amazon marketplace. So being nimble, being able to change directions quickly, always finding new profitable, test-worthy ASINs that you can sell against, that's the game. And they spend some good time talking about that today. They just share a lot of good insights as well. We, As I'm recording this, just had a great week where you may have heard us talk about it in the Facebook group or on other episodes at this point, but we were invited out to Seattle by Amazon to attend Amazon Accelerate. They had about 2,500 sellers from around the world attend the event. A handful of us were invited at no charge to cover the event from a media podcast vantage point. And and we had the honor of being the only ones that I'm aware of that were invited to interview for our podcast, some of the executives, specifically Claire O'Donnell. So we'll have that interview here soon. But she's in charge of all of the seller-facing services at Amazon, which is pretty incredible. She's got a very large team. I heard about 700 people or so report to her, and that's all the people who serve sellers on Amazon's team. So we got to interview her. You'll be hearing that soon enough. But today, I just wanted to get this episode to you because it is a great challenging episode to make sure that your mindset is right, that your approach is right from a couple of the coaches on our team who have talked to at this point, a few hundred different students, and they're creating a lot of success stories. So I love when they kind of dig into some of those lessons 
that they're teaching to their students that are helping them to become some of the great success stories that you've heard on the dozens of recent episodes where we've interviewed our successful Amazon selling students. So maybe one last little announcement before I turn it over to Brian and Robin Joy. Hey, we have our virtual conference coming up at the beginning of October. Get over and check it out. Go to theprovenconference.com. That's three words, theprovenconference.com. Get dates, get details. It's completely free if you're a proven Amazon course student or a coaching student. And you're going to hear from a couple dozen of the great leaders in our community, the people who are building beautiful businesses, what's working now, what do we suggest as strategies for the fourth quarter, and what are we looking forward to as 2024 approaches? Because this is a multiple income stream community. We have so many different interesting ways that you can use the internet creatively. We want to talk through a lot of those business models and just encourage and inspire and equip you to finish strong in 2023 and to build a beautiful business even stronger in 2024. So don't miss The Proven Conference, a virtual conference in October, early October, 4th through the 6th. And then also our May event in 2024. You'll want to circle that on your calendar. There's details about that as they're developing at that same link, theprovenconference.com. Get over there, start making plans for both of those. We'd love to have you a part of the virtual and the in-person Orlando, Florida event in May. All right, that's a good intro, I think. Enough of me. Let's get over and hear from some of the fan favorites around here. Brian and Robin Joy Olson. Enjoy. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. We are your co-hosts. I'm Brian. And I'm Robin Joy. And this is Coach's Corner. Hi, everybody. Let's talk about a balanced book of business. Balanced book of business. I think it's an important thing to think about. What do you mean by balanced, Brian, in this sense? Well, I think there are multiple levels of having a balanced book of business. Mm -hmm. The first few things that come to mind for me include having uh, products that you are reselling. We're talking about re the replants business here to start off with. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, in Across multiple categories. Like if you were all in, in pet food uh -huh. and something happened to your pet food approvals, your business would be kind of, you know, yeah. sunk, right? Yeah, you wouldn't have any place to go from there. So you want to distribute your ASINs between, not only do you want to distribute your money between ASINs, inch deep, mile wide, you want to st distribute your ASINs between categories. Yes, categories mm -hmm. and brands. And brands. Right? Don't go all in on Kong and then Kong says you can't sell that anymore. Right. Right? right. Don't go in all in on Coach and then Coach says you can't sell that anymore. Yep. Right? There's It's happened. Yeah, you want to be spread out across categories and brands. And I think one of the other things we were talking about, or you brought up was... Yeah, strategies. Strategy. Eventually, yeah. as you build that first one and get it down, start getting some more strategies in your book of business. Because what if for some reason that something happens to that strategy or it changes mm -hmm. severely, you've got something to keep you afloat while you make that adjustment. Right. So... So the balance is, gives you distributed. So you're distributed over categories, brands, mm -hmm. and strategies. And a distributed business speaks to inch deep, mile wide. Yes. Right, which is spreading your risk. So we lower our risk the more different approaches, but the more different types of ASINs that we have, the more different strategies that we have. Mm -hmm. I don't mean more different as in, you know, <laughs> a lot more different. I mean, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, degree of degree difference. Degree of difference. Yes. But quantity of difference. Quantity of yes. difference. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, mm. I think they could probably figure out what okay. we're talking about there. Well, if okay. someone just hopped in and said, you heard us talking about having more different things, it could be <laughs> That's confusing. true. Yeah. That's true. So we want to vary our categories. In the beginning, that's kind of tough because you're only going to be approved in certain categories and mm -hmm. then you're not even approved in all the brands in those categories. You're right. Well, you have a limited set of data to work with in the beginning. You do. So my advice is to use all you can out of those categories and those brands that you're approved to sell in, because that's where you're going to get your best uh, practice, your most experience. Mm -hmm. And you have those to work for, use them for all they're worth. Don't be the guy who just kind of scratches the surface because uh, I'm not approved in topicals yet. Mm -hmm. No. Get everything you can out of that category or those few categories that you're approved to sell in. And then more categories will come and you'll be real experienced. You'll have a real good idea about how to utilize all of that category and get everything you can that works for you out of that category. I like how you were just poking fun of me right there. I always poke fun of you, but yeah. which, which which are we talking about now? <laughs> the, the topical. So this is a great little oh. conversation because <laughs> that's true. I didn't I, mean to, but yeah. that that was you. Yeah, it was absolutely me. I was like, oh my gosh, if I could just get approved in topicals, I'd be rich. Mm -hmm. And then I say, and today, when I'm telling the story today, the the truth is, you know, topicals are a very small part of our business. But this is because we have a distributed business. You know, our book of business is balanced and distributed. We're not heavy. You know, we're not all deep in topicals. We're not deep in you know, we're probably the deepest in grocery as a category, but yeah. we have, you know, Letters. that we sell in all, not all categories, but a lot of different categories. Yeah. Well, as long as you brought up that topical thing, I do mm -hmm. give this as an example to a lot of the clients that I'm working with, that that is the only thing that we have ever paid to get it um, ungated in. And the only thing that we've ever uploaded an invoice to ask Amazon mm -hmm. to give us approval for. Yeah. And that was back in 2019 when you were still pretty new. Mm -hmm. And within probably at least 60 days from then, we probably would have been approved in that yeah. <laughs> well, automatically. I re yeah. Maybe. I think it was about six months after that that we... What was that? Like, well, we hadn't even looked. It was like all of a sudden when you... We broke five figures in like October and then in February, we discovered we were approved to sell yeah. like auto, auto and gated and a lot of stuff. Yes, and, I, I, and, the, and those that's different timing for yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah, it's different true. amounts. So we, you know, no promises there, but we do know that as you show Amazon regular, consistent activity and sales, mm -hmm. they don't know whether you made any money on them or not. That they will uh, start opening those categories and lifting those restrictions on categories and brands. I also remember, uh, like, okay, I, now that I know how to get ungated, I'm going to do this for a different category. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was supplements. Mm -hmm. And I remember that we found a supplier for these like Gatorade bars. Mm -hmm. And we I bought a whole case of them because I was like, oh, this is going to be our, we're going to get on Gated in supplements. So I bought the case. I get the invoice. I go to submit all the paperwork. And then it was more than actually just an invoice I needed for that. I needed some other thing for yeah. the government uh, in order to get on Gated. And I was like, shoot, I wasted this it money. It becomes complicated. <laughs> You're wasting time and energy yeah. that's unnecessary. And I'm not even sure, you know, a lot of people I work with that are brand new and they've never sent in a shipment before. And they're already asking about these ungating strategies, which, mm -hmm. you know, there's information out there in my silent team. But I'm not even confident that this will work for somebody who's never sent in a shipment or has only sent in a few shipments and is very new in this day and age. So I would say 
get what you can, get something started before you even think about that. Yeah, right. Not necessary. Right. Okay. We have we all have a limited amount of what I like to call mistake money. Yeah. And that needs to last us uh, over our first three, four months, right? right? While we are getting some things figured out. Yeah. So don't burn mistake money on gating something that you don't really need to. Right. Just spend the time and the money on the things well, that you're already approved to sell until the other the walls will come down naturally. Exactly. And I, I remember that period too. You tell the story. I wasn't really involved then, but you tell the story how you thought, oh, well, I'm going to make a million dollars if I can just get on gating capitals. <laughs> and then you did. And all of a sudden, you couldn't find any agents that would work for you in topicals. So it was pretty much useless. Maybe you found one or two. Well, the lesson I took from that was all those topical ASINs that I found, and I was like, oh, if I could just sell topicals, I never saved them. <laughs> and so this is one of the lessons I try to pass along to um, people that I'm working with, which is if you find something that's awesome in a category or a brand that you're not yet approved, Save it somewhere no, because chances are in the future you will be. And then you can always pull it back up and say, right. okay, what does it look like now? Once I am approved, what does it look like now? Right. right? As opposed That's to uh, it's starting feeling like you're starting from scratch. And then you can even rabbit trail those and, and find some more things. Sure. I would say that it's possible that some of those you still weren't approved in the brand, even though you got the category True. opened up. Absolutely. So that, you know, they're, they're just obstacle after obstacle. Just, mm -hmm. Let's go in the path that's a little bit fewer obstacles mm -hmm. while we're getting our experience. Right. It's right. the idea. Okay. Yeah. All right. One more thing on that mm -hmm. is you did mention that there are other ways to kind of be dispersed and balanced in diverse. your diverse, diverse in, mm -hmm. in your book of business. So one of those was in sizes. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, there are different ways to look at that. If you have warehouses or you're using a prep center or something, sometimes you're limited. But if you would explore different, like oversized, maybe there's stuff in there that people aren't looking at that you might be able to do or small and light, you know, those box filler things. Mm -hmm. Small and light, not a category in it of itself anymore, yeah. but um, like a those pen. kind of things. Like it's yeah. small or package right. of three pens. It's right. light, it's small, it sells for, you know, $20. Plus six. It really helps spread out your yeah. inbound shipping. Right, right. That that's a great I love that I'm glad that you remembered to bring that up because <laughs> it was something we had talked about the first time around. We'll share that story <laughs> right. with you in a minute. Yeah. There's a story uh, there. <laughs> yeah. So just if you like we used to sell this stack of paper products. It was yes. four different things. It was paper plates in two different sizes, three different sizes actually, and then a and then a, a package of paper bowls as well. Mm -hmm. And it was, I remember like a, that. it was like a pyramid. We'd stack it all up and we'd stretch wrap it, right? And yeah. we could fit like three in a medium Home Depot box. Three. Three whole units in if that box. If we turn a jingle with yeah, you, them, right? you'd have to like, yeah, go daddy one. And they were heavy. Right? Yeah, yeah. And they were heavy. But so yeah, it was like $8 a profit every time we sold one, Yeah, right? But it was kind of painful to make that happen. And I remember you were like, I don't want to do those things anymore. <laughs> right. And you said, okay, find me stuff that replaces it. <laughs> right. But yeah, with those, if you're selling those larger things, they're not maybe small oversized because they don't need to go to a whole separate warehouse, but they are a little bit larger. Then when you start mixing in some smaller items, it not only helps on your inbound shipping, but that you're diverse, you're you're distributed in the size of items that you're selling as well. Yes. That can really help you out when you're packing your boxes. Yeah. Just think of any way that you can spread your risk, what you know, forwards, backwards, sideways, mm -hmm. up and down. Mm -hmm. That's always a good way to keep your risk low uh, as you're going through, especially when you're you're building your first book of business. Yep. All right. All right. So the next thing here is. Everything must be hard before it can become easy. And this is a Chinese proverb. Chinese proverb. Love, okay, here we go again. I love this one, right? <laughs> Everything must be hard before it can become easy. Yeah. This 
is just a quick story. We actually <laughs> recorded this version of this podcast like we a did. week ago. Uh-huh. Um, and we were so proud of ourselves because yeah, we had you know, some traveling to do and we we're getting it in, getting it taken care of. Right, so we're like, okay, we got that done. We got that, you know, this thing's done. We got, this, we got to send it off yep. to Jim. And then the morning that we were leaving town, um, Jim says, you know, I think maybe there's a problem with that file because I can't hear anything. Yeah, he said, oh, maybe it's my internet because I'm at a hotel. Yeah, the, yeah, maybe something is going on. And so we actually... I came in back into the this room where we're recording, and I pulled up the mic and saw that I never turned on the microphone. I didn't check it. <laughs> there was no audio. I didn't check it. This is like the you know the classic mistake of rookie mistake, man. Rookie mistake. It's like not checking the keep a chart, right? Right. I don't. That only happened one time, and it's never yep. happened again. And the same thing now with the microphone <laughs> will never happen again where we forget. And I've been usually pretty good. The best way to learn something. About- I was telling I was telling people at the workshop this weekend. I I misspelled a word in the third grade, one word. I can tell you what word it was, and I can tell you how to spell it today <laughs> because I never miss a spelling word in my whole, the whole time growing up on a spelling test. I miss this one, and I will never spell that word again mm-hmm. wrong again. Mm-hmm. I know how to spell that now. The best way to learn something. <laughs> the best way to learn is by making the mistake, right? <laughs> so misspell the word, getting called <laughs> out in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. I then told you the story of uh, a girl I had a crush on in the seventh grade who was yeah. doing a spelling bee and misspelled the word peanut in the spelling bee. Oh, and yeah. It's, it's right not out in front of everybody. In front of, right? Test. And it wasn't that she wasn't smart. She was just nervous. And, you know, it's not that it's I shouldn't say smart. She didn't, it wasn't that she didn't know how to spell peanut. Uh-huh. She just got all nervous in front of people. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, those mistakes that we make, when... Sometimes when those they, the most valuable. they hurt pretty badly. Yeah, those are the most they valuable. Are they are the most, the best learning experiences. So how does everything must be hard before it can become easy apply in our Amazon replens business? Well, I mean, we work with people all the time that have never looked at ASINs before in the system for whether they would be good tests or not. Mm-hmm. You cannot expect yourself to be good at that. You don't know what you're looking for. You know, you know, kind of the rules when we help you, you know, find certain things that you're looking for, but you don't have anything to compare that to. You don't have, don't know how far away from perfect that is. And of course, none of them are perfect. And so it's always kind of feels a little, a little funny. I, I know I've said this before on a podcast, I compare it to the American Indians. When uh, Columbus came over the horizon there, they didn't know what they were looking at because they didn't have anything to compare it to. They didn't have a name for that. And I'm not even sure that they could even actually recognize that. They might have th- thought it was sticks on the water or something. But they didn't have that experience. So they couldn't see ships mm-hmm. or identify mm-hmm. ships that were undefined in their minds. And this is the same way it is when you're looking for ASINs the first few weeks. Just let that be true because as you look at ASINs, that will go away. If you just say, oh, well, I'm done because I I can't. I can't recognize it and it's not coming to me because I've done it, you know, looked at 10 ASINs and you say you're done. Well, you've given up way too soon. It's going to take a lot more than that to figure it out. Right. Well, that reminds me of people who will come into the Facebook group. I don't know, like myself. (laughs) I've looked for hours. I've looked at hundreds of (laughs) ASINs that I can't find anything. And what I realized for myself when that happened was that the reason I could not find anything is I didn't know what I was looking for. I mm-hmm. didn't know what a good test worthy ASIM looked like. Mm-hmm. So even though you had certain criteria you were looking for, 
You did not have a feel for that. Yeah, and it was just, it was, once I did, though, that's why I say, like, in, uh, evaluate those ones that are winners for you and evaluate the losers, too. But when you evaluate the winners, it just ingrains in your head, in your mind, what a good-looking, test-worthy ASIN looks like. So you're talking about after you test them and mm -hmm. they pass the test and go into your replants mm -hmm. list and you can start seeing how that goes, go back and look at those keep -a charts and identify what you're seeing with the actual thing. That's a good exercise, mm -hmm. right? So you can start recognizing the similarities and start getting kind of a feel for that. Yeah. yeah. What, what must be hard is sourcing because we've never done it before. Yes. Right? When you first come into this business, you don't have any experience sourcing items to resell on Amazon using the tools that, you know, most people are using today, starting mm -hmm. with Keepa. Most people don't know what Keepa is. Even the consumers were that, that Keepa was kind of designed for, um, they don't know what Keepa is. And as a reseller, you don't know what Keepa is. So as a result of not knowing it, it's going to take you a while to learn it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard before it becomes easy. Mm -hmm. Shopping. If you're not a good shopper, like yeah. myself, um, <laughs> shopping is hard. You're like, and I remember this for you too, right? Yes. Okay, shopping, when you go to Walmart, this is pre-Walmart plus days. Right, well, right. So you go to Walmart, you get everything off the shelf, you put it in the cart. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you the, have the to- The top shelf and the shelf, bottom shelf. The top shelf and the bottom shelf. <laughs> you put it in the cart. Sometimes you've got two carts. Mm -hmm. You go stand in line and everyone's like, oh, oh would come to your house? You know, maybe you're buying all that <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, you have all these cookies okay. and crackers. Right? So it's hard enough to load Big up the mix. cart. So it was hard to, you know, identify the things that you were going to go shopping for. Mm -hmm. Then it was hard to actually go shopping for them. And then you got to take them out of the cart, put them on the, on right. the conveyor. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying the, those first times you go shopping, you're like, okay, this is my ASIN and this mm -hmm. is what it is. And you have to compare, okay, is this the right thing? Is that, whereas the next few times after you get it figured out and you're just replenishing that ASIN, you're like, oh yeah, that one. Yes, that one. Or that. Yeah. Or that. So, skipping this one. Right. But it's hard at first. All right. So then you put it on the conveyor so you put belt. It on the conveyor belt. That's and the And the checkout person puts like two things per bag. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is when bags, you yes. still get bags. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then it would load it in the cart. Mm -hmm. And then you would take the cart to the car, transfer the stuff from the cart into the car, drive mm -hmm. home, transfer the stuff from the car into a wagon, bring the wagon in the house, unload the wagon. I mean, you were touching the product for <laughs> yeah. what seemed like, you know, 25 times before right. we, and now we haven't even prepped it and we haven't put it in a box yet. Yes. That's it was hard. hard. But once you do it, 10, 12, 15 times, you start get, picking up tips, how tips. to make it better. Yeah. Efficiencies. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I do this part first because I want those things to be in the bottom of the cart. I'm going to do this part for next. And you start getting a feel for that. I'm going to say, okay, here, scan this lady. And I've got 12 of these and put it back instead of putting everything on the cart. You find those efficiencies. Mm -hmm. After you do it a few times and you try things, well, that didn't work so well, but I think if it did it this way, that might work better. And you try something else, but we got to let ourselves let it be hard so that we can get it better as we do it over and over Just and over. Embrace it. Embrace if, you, it. if you embrace it and, and get to know all the little pieces and parts and ins and outs of that process, then you will find ways to get better at yes. it. It'll, they'll reveal them themselves to you. One other thing that's hard. Managing the back end of Seller Central. Well, when, wait, well, don't oh. forget about prepping. prepping oh, that's right. Yeah, prepping is hard. <laughs> prepping is hard the very first let's time see, you do it. Uh, let's see. Do I need this bag or this bag? Do I don't I have the right size bags. 
right? Do, yeah. Is that going to fit in this box or do I need to put another thing? I'll take that out of the box, mm -hmm. mark it out of the box, put this one in the box instead, mark it in the box. And it's difficult at first. But then the next time, oh, I know what size bag I need for that. I send that in all the time. Mm -hmm. I know what size, I know how many of these will fit in that box. You should see my sister. She's one of our shoppers. And she puts together some pa variety packs for us that she does over and over and over. And she has got it down. Mm -hmm. You, and she does it in her house. She, her living room is just destroyed with all, all of this packaging. For like a day. For like a day, right? And she has it lined up. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Packs up those boxes. You see, she's got that tape gun. She's going. Mm -hmm. she, she knows exactly how many fit in the box. She sends that one out, puts a label on it. Next one. It, it is amazing. But she does this every week, every week, every week, mm -hmm. every week. And she's gotten good. She, I could never do it even close to as fast as she I can't even do it as well as she does mm -hmm. it, as accurately. She knows whether she missed a step or not because she does the same steps every time, every mm -hmm. time. The point is, in the beginning, it was hard for it her. It was hard. It wasn't. Yeah. She was like, ah. Oh, I forgot to put that in there. And those and and put one of these in there. And I keep forgetting this one part. And yeah. yeah. So she got when, it down, man. When you cut boxes open enough times, you learn. <laughs> yes, you do. You learn to get efficient. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so and, managing your and back then managing the back end, right? So, well, I sent in a shipment. There's a deviation. How am I supposed to handle this? How do I open yes. a case? How do I have Amazon call me? Mm -hmm. How do I uh, deal with customer feedback? I mean, all of that stuff is new. It's not only uh, which of these things should I worry about? Which of these things do I not care as much about? Which do I need to keep an eye on every day? There's a level of detail that uh, will soon become old hat. But in the beginning, when it's new, you don't get it and you struggle with it. And so this is what we mean by everything must be hard before it can become easy. Yes. And so that was the title of the of this episode <laughs> yes. that I sent to Jim. And so when I came in here and found that, oh, I forgot to turn the mic on. Then you he, sent him an email. He, I did. Sorry I said, yeah, sorry. It was on our fault and uh, on <laughs> our side. And he responded, everything must be hard. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about thinking mm -hmm. three or four steps ahead. Okay. okay. If we can keep our eye on the prize. Uh-huh. We can overcome the obstacles that really aren't even obstacles. Think about where we're going and not what is right in front of us that could become an obstacle. So we were doing a workshop uh, yes, we were this doing last that. weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday in Salt Lake City. Yes, okay. 100 Asins workshop. Path to 100 Asins. Path to 100 Asins. A proven path to 100 Asins is mm -hmm. what it's called. We had about 20 people in the room. It was our first one, and it was just an amazing energy. and Electric. Just the people really gave us some really good feedback. I mm -hmm. think we all got a lot out of it. Mm -hmm. Jim and Nate were there. Um, the other people from a, the coaching office were there. And they treated us really, really well. Made sure we had food and uh, rooms and everybody was taken care of. And it was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, but, but we did an exercise while we were there. We did an exercise that, while we were perfectly there. illustrates this thing three to four steps ahead. So what we did, and I had seen this before, so I wanted to try this myself. So we, everyone was at tables where they were working with their computers and everything, and there were about four or five rows of tables. And they had chairs, of course, to sit on. And so we, I had them all stand up. Everybody stand up. And I asked them all to pick a point on one of the four walls to go to that was like opposite of where they were. opposite of where they were right just pick a point on that wall and then everybody go there you've got you know just a few seconds 
go to your point on the wall and stop and stay there. And they all, you know, worked around each other and, and around the tables and whatever they needed to do to get to their spot on the wall. And when we got there, I asked them, did anybody have to go around anything or was there an obstacle in your way? And did what you? was interesting, yes, everyone was like, no, nah, I didn't. They didn't I, even I, notice. They didn't even remember the obstacles. They didn't, they didn't even didn't notice. think about it, right? Yes, they had to push chairs in. Yes, they had to walk around the table. We were yes, saying how to get out of the way of people that were yes. walking. Yeah. Then nobody plowed over anybody. They said, excuse me, and mm -hmm. they moved around because everybody else had their own goal, their own place um, that they were trying to get to. Mm -hmm. And you're right. They did, didn't even realize that they were doing it. And so I had to say, did anybody have to move a chair out of the way? Oh, well, yes. Did anybody mm -hmm. have to go around the table? Well, yes, we did. Did anybody meet someone and had to, you know, say, excuse me, and kind of, you know, work around that? Well, sure, we did. Well, See, you made up those obstacles. You got through those obstacles without even noticing they were there. Why? Because your eye was on the goal. Mm -hmm. You kept your eye on the goal. You knew where you were going. You weren't worried about where anybody else was going. You weren't worried about, you expected for things to be in your way. You didn't come up to a table and stop and say, hmm, should I go left or should I go right? You just did it. Well, because right? you've done it enough times. Because this you is did, a, the first time you came across the table, you probably did. But probably, now but going around probably. the table is yeah, old hat. <laughs> yes, right? yeah. Exactly. And so the point is those obstacles, we need to not let them become so big to us that we can't make a decision and get around them. Keep your eye on the goal, which is what you're saying. A few steps ahead, keep your eye on where you're going, and these things will become not important. Right. You won't even notice that. Right, which leads me to a great quote from George Orwell, which goes like this. To see what is in front of one's nose needs a constant struggle. So if we're focused always on the obstacle that's right in front of us, mm -hmm. then, of course, if we're going to struggle all the time. So the, the point of that message is look to the future, not the future in time, <laughs> but look to where what is our end goal. If we're focused on the end goal, mm -hmm. um, what is the desired result? Let's focus on that. So keep our eye on the prize. Yes. Remember why we're doing this. Why are we doing this? Remember, Where are we going? What is this going to get for us? Yes. Right? The, and the reality is we know this. Success is a journey, not a destination. That's true. And so it's really more of a way of life. It's more of a way of living Yeah. Um, than it is a destination. And you had a, a good example of what this Right. Well, I remember when we were young, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it, <laughs> we're still in love, but when we were young and first falling in love. I'm still young. I'm still falling uh, in love. <laughs> we were a lot younger then, though. Mm. <laughs> the number was smaller anyway. Mm -hmm. I remember that you told me, you said, Robin, I'm going on a journey. My life is going to be a journey, and I want you to go with me. We want to go on a journey. So I said, yeah, I want to go with you. And, of course, we got married. But if we, if our journey was to a wedding, <laughs> that would have been over 30 years ago in yeah. March, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> our, our destination would have been there. If that was, the destination was the wedding, mm -hmm. it would have been over. But the destination, life is not a destination. It's a journey. And we've been on that journey for 30 years and hopefully another 30 years or so. So... Just don't think of it as I have to get to this to accomplish this. It's a journey, step by step. You're going to have accomplishments along the way, and you can celebrate those. But keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep walking through your journey in life. Yes. Yes? Last quote. I promise.
I won't pelt you with any more quotes. <laughs> you like the quotes. I like I the quotes too. Well, I like they, the ones we I like the quotes that we can apply to this business. I do too. Um, yes. and help put perspective on the business. Mm-hmm. This quote's from Alex Formosi, and it says, The world belongs to those who can keep doing without seeing the result of their doing. And this is very much what we need to do. And we're just getting started in the Amazon business, specifically doing replens, but I think any strategy this applies to, which mm-hmm. is we have to work at this for like six to eight weeks, actually executing, making mm-hmm. things happen right? before, before we, we actually start to see some results. And yeah. even then, just that that's the very tip of the results. Why is that, Brian? What what takes us six to eight weeks before we see anything? Well, we talked about the it mu- why it must be hard, okay? Because we, yep. we're not good at it in the early days. True. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also this this the Amazon machine mm-hmm. that that takes up the time and and resources that you know it's a platform that has a bunch of things working behind it. I've said before, Amazon's really a logistics company. They're not a website or a sales company. Yeah. But those logistics... have gotten really good at logistics. Take time. Yeah. So you source something, you shop it, you prep it, you send it in, goes to the... Yeah, so you're already through three or four weeks there. Three or four weeks. Sourced it, that took, took a week. Mm-hmm. You purchased it, it took a week for it to come in so you could package it, yeah. send it into Amazon. That might take another week. Now you're four weeks in and you haven't even gotten anything up for sale yet. They've got to receive it. Right, so then it need, oh, and it could sit on the dock for three, and five, seven days right. before they actually go, before it goes to get checked in and then is received. And then we suggest a four-week sale. of uh, Well, not only that, rest. then it has to go to its final destination. Oh, sure. Some right, so if you were sending it to, if your uh, center was in uh, North Carolina, let's say Charlotte, and then they needed to send your stuff to uh, Michigan, well, that might, might take another week. two or three days for it to get on the truck up to Michigan before mm-hmm. it's ready, you know, in its final destination. Now, obviously, a customer can buy it while it's in transit. It's just not going to be in the prime window. But Right. So, yeah, but you really are not going to start your test until it's available mm-hmm. within the prime window. So if you do it the way we teach you, do a four-week test, that that four weeks hasn't even started yet, and you're already six weeks in. Mm-hmm. Then you got to go four weeks before you know it's going to work for you or not. Mm-hmm. So that's why we suggest that you do it week after week after week, send shipments in, so that once those start becoming available and they start passing the test or not passing the test and you can get some profit out of them, that you keep seeing that week after week because you've built filled that pipeline. And then it's once you start building that filling that pipeline and you start getting sales and you start moving those onto a replens list and you start sending bigger and bigger shipments in by the time six months down the road comes and you have you know 100 ASINs and 10 to 15 thousand dollars a month in sales what was it Jim called it like a hockey stick mm-hmm. it just goes straight up yes yeah, so what he just... told us you go like this like this and then yes it explodes but you got to put some time right. and effort intense focus effort in to get to the point where that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So in the, when I very first started coaching, I had this visual of what the, this was similar to. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are have ever seen one of those uh, hand water pumps, so mm-hmm. it basically has a long pipe that goes down into a well, and mm-hmm. you have to pump the water pump. Like You have to prime it. You have to go water. like four or five, six times before it's bringing all <laughs> that water up to the top to come out of this thicket. I think about when I was a little girl, um, we had one of those, and and I was a little girl. I had to reach up to uh-huh. reach that thing, and I had to put all my weight and it take my feet off the ground and pull that thing down, and then I'd go back up. <laughs> but I was I was really determined to get it to go. I knew you were old, but I didn't think you were on Little House on the Prairie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> little kid. Hey, when you were a little kid, 
People still have those wells sometimes out I in the know. country. Out I, in the I, country. I, right. They're a little bit more efficient today. <laughs> but back in the old days, well, you would have to pump it five or six times before any water come out. Yes. And then, so the water would get flowing. And if you stopped pumping, water would stop coming out. Yes. This is feeding the beast. If you stop sending things in, results are going to stop happening in terms yeah. of sales, in terms of profit, in terms of feedback, all the things that you get. The, right. The, from and then you have to start all over and prime yes. that pump again. Yeah, put all that effort again. in again right. so the whole, before you see anything. So don't yet. stop. So don't stop. Now, I thought you had a great analogy when you show, you talked about uh, how long that intense focus effort can, can mm -hmm. last. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have a limited time. You can't be on that level forever. You, you're you're right. It's it's a it is intense. E, you know, even it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. But even marathoners don't run four or five marathoners mm -hmm. marathons in a row. Right. Right. And in this example that I I think illustrates the point very well, when a plane is going down the runway to, on takeoff. Mm -hmm. Okay, they have to reach a certain speed. Uh, but the runway is only so long. But the runway is only so long. So they've got like. I don't know what you call it. I'm not a pilot. But they probably have this like go, no-go right. point where they're like, they have to have a certain speed, that speed by this point by the time. or they got to wave it off, right? They have to abort. Yep. And then they got to come back. And what happens when you abort? Oh, you lose all your momentum. You got to turn around, go back. You got to find some more fuel. Now, in, in our case, you ha have been building up this desire inside of you this yeah. this you've been putting things will. off you've been focusing well not only that i mean just to get the tank full you oh, may, sure. maybe years yes. maybe years and years of like getting frustrated and figure i'm gonna do this i'm gonna figure this out mm -hmm. and then you go down the runway but you don't hit the speed that's required to get takeoff and then you have to turn around and now it may take it you some time to refuel mm -hmm. right so that you can attempt again so our advice is mm -hmm. Make sure you hit that airspeed the first time through. This is the, I mean, the airspeed, air the speed that you need in order to hit, to hit liftoff, right? Before so this you is, run out of runway. Right, before, and this is the period of intense focus effort that mm -hmm. we talk about a lot. Yes, it's going to take, you know, four, five, six months of this really focused in on it and really doing it and before you're going to lift off. But then you'll be in the air. And it's much easier to manage, believe it or not, yes. once when you it, actually have a book of business. And that's the the equivalent of right in this business then we can make it better we could turn the wheels we've mm -hmm. got levers to to pull and mm -hmm. dials to turn and we can kind of dial it in and get it to where we're going mm -hmm. yeah right so if you are needing more speed mm -hmm. in order to hit takeoff or mm -hmm. lift off what cures that problem more ace and more ace and solve that problem just keep testing keep more ace keep your ace. momentum going can't slow it down too much, or you're gonna have to turn around and go back. Is key. Consistence key. Con it's the consistency key. The consistency key. <laughs> yes, consistency is key. All, All right. right, I think we're good. All right, good thanks everyone. Thanks everybody. Talk to you soon. soon. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode, for hanging out with us. Before I let you go, I'm going to spend a few minutes with one of my good friends, Jeff Schick. He is our preferred legal advisor around here when it comes to all things Amazon legal. And we're going to do these short segments once a week or so. Jeff, what's the topic you've got for us today? All right. So a common question that I get from sellers, new and experienced. In fact, I had it on one of my calls today. They said, what is the chance that I'm going to be permanently suspended from Amazon? Mind you, this is a seller who has a healthy account. They're in the green. They're above 200 as their score. In fact, I think they're in the 300s. So not a small seller by any means and definitely not anywhere near the unhealthy category. And they're asking, are they going to be permanently suspended from Amazon? 
Yeah, so, and we hear this so, a lot from from people who are considering an Am- growing an Amazon business. Amazon has this reputation, and I think they've it's probably their own fault because they call it a suspension. For example, when you're trying to get set up a new account and you haven't supplied all the information they need yet, they need another copy of your driver's license or whatever, so they suspend you until yeah. they get what they need. So everyone's like, "Oh, I got suspended on Amazon." Like, yeah, everybody does for a few hours when you're trying to sign up for your account, right? So suspension's right. everywhere, but but this idea of a permanent suspension, I love this question. How would you answer that? So the answer to that is it's extremely rare for somebody to be permanently suspended. In fact, you almost have to try to, to get it that to happen. Now, that's not to say that, you know, there haven't been cases. I mean, you know, I, I've got a case right now with one of the sellers where they were suspended and they said, that point blank to me, they said, we don't care to ever sell on Amazon again. We just want all of our money back. And, you know, we took the case and we reached out to Amazon's attorneys. And we, you know, I said, once we tell them that, they're going to take your word for it. And and seller says, I don't care. I just want my money back. And so we let them know. And they said, okay, you know, we were going to, you know, work with you. But if they don't care, then we'll write you a check sure. for all of their money and sure. release all their inventory. And right. so they... They did get what they wanted. Are they permanently suspended? I mean, yes. Probably not because the... that's what they requested. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I tell people all the time, Jeff, you know, we've, we've been teaching Amazon seller strategies for 12 plus years at this point, thousands and thousands of students. And I can still count on one hand the number of people that I know that, well, I, I put it this way. I'm scratching my head like, hmm, they got suspended. I'm not sure exactly why. And in a few of those cases, I found out later, well, they they just kind of gave up, kind of like the client you just mentioned. But in the vast majority of cases, you know, I, I'm fond of saying 95% of the time, maybe you have a different number in your mind. It's a non-issue fairly quickly. It could take some days or weeks sometimes, right? So maybe speak to that. Like if we take that worst case scenario off the table, what are some of those other inconvenient circumstances that people might find themselves in if they get on the wrong side of Amazon's policy. It's so, I mean, it, it certainly can be inconvenient and I don't want to downplay it at all because when you go through a suspension, it's, it's downright devastating. I still remember when I was in law school and I got suspended on Amazon and it was a two, it was two weeks of torture because I, you know, you're sitting there, they're holding, you know, at the time for me, they were holding $195,000. Of money, and I had a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar American Express bill due, so it was it was the most stressful, no joke. you know, two weeks of my life. Well, we were fortunate that I was able to get reinstated very quickly, and you know, I hadn't we hadn't done anything wrong, so it was a mistake on Amazon's part, and got a nice little apology email, and they actually did wire the funds to us the next day. So instead of making us wait for a normal payout and send it by EFT, they actually did send the money. By wire transfer. And they can provides. be very human for a huge company that's doing billions they of dollars can a month, right? <laughs> right. So, but, you know, obviously that's an extreme example. So what is it, you know, what does a typical suspension look like? It's usually not that long. It's usually, you know, if we're, you know, if we're lucky, I've had suspensions that we've reinstated accounts in 20 minutes. That's probably by no means the average, but that's, you know, the record so far is that's happened twice now that they've been reinstated in 20 minutes. I'd say usually you're looking at a couple hours to a couple days, just depending on what the severity of the issue is and how many moving parts there are. But at the end of the day, Amazon doesn't want people to be suspended because a suspended account doesn't generate money for Amazon. In fact, it costs them money. 
because now they've got to deal with your inventory. And yes, they're going to debit your funds, but that's that's not like when they keep your money, it's being held in trust. It's in an escrow account. It's not money that they're earning interest on. It's not being used for operating. They're not investing in a robot. Like That money is being set aside as a liability on their balance sheet. And it's certainly by no means an asset. And so they don't want people's money. They're doing that because the potential, you know, risk mitigation that they have to incur. So at the end of the day, you know, we've seen Amazon this past year be extremely human. I think, yeah, as of now, almost every account suspension we've worked on has been reinstated. There's only Yeah, that's an interesting statistic. You know, you've worked on a good number of accounts. I don't know if you're at liberty to share how many, but what is your ratio? What's your success rate? I, it'd be north of, it'd be probably north of 98%. But, you know, again, that 98%, it's sometimes, you know, it may take a couple months to get there on certain sure. accounts that have major, major problems. Right. So, but that's the exception, not the norm. So I love it. Well, and from my vantage point, again, just so folks know that are listening or watching this today, you're the most experienced guy with the most integrity and validation from my vantage point at doing what you do. So we're thrilled to have you in this community. And I think this short little episode, now there's always more that we can share. Maybe we'll do it in another segment soon uh, about some of the specific behaviors and things that people need to watch out for. But just knowing that unless you're one of the really, really bad guys, that's really trying, like you're trying to sell Nike shoes up with knockoffs you brought in from China and, and, you know, you're just really going in deep, violating serious policies on purpose. As long as you're not one of those guys, you're just kind of innocently making some mistakes the vast majority of the time, you're going to be okay. Correct. That's good to know. And it's, most of it's recoverable. And it's, I mean, you know, for the, especially for the innocent people, I don't think that we've ever had a case where someone was innocent and they didn't get back on. Yeah. The cases that are, you know, the cases where people didn't get back on, well, you know, there was, there was, there's, yeah, obviously. They knew they were taking the, they were rolling the dice and they knew it. Yes. And so that's, you know, it, it happens. So, Mm -hmm. But yeah, really trying to avoid fear. And then I don't know if I've shared this with you, but I just passed my four-year anniversary of when I became a licensed attorney. And literally the first day I became an attorney was when I worked on my first Amazon case in the attorney client role. And so I've been doing, I've been handling Amazon suspensions now for four years. And congratulations. I I love it. Yeah. There's only one other attorney in the space uh, up at, you know, CJ that has has done as many you know suspensions as i have so well it's fine well well done man we're thrilled to work with you and, and you've been at our events and many people in our community begin to rely on you you have a great monthly retainer program why don't you explain that for a moment and folks can go check that out on your website yeah so after i got suspended back when i was you know in law school immediately i started calling people and it was like thousands of dollars here thousands of dollars there you know, one guy who wasn't a lawyer quoted me $15,000 to get my account back. And when I asked him what was his chance of success, he said he, he couldn't guarantee any sort of results. So, of course, I, you know, being the stubborn law student I was, I figured out how to do it myself. But so that really sparked this desire to come up with, you know, low quality or low cost. Low cost, <laughs> high quality is probably what you meant there. <laughs> yeah. That's all right, man. We're hey, this is just two very real dudes hanging out, man. It's all good. <laughs> We got it that far out. <laughs> yeah, hey, maybe. I think it's kind of funny. It's not funny because it'll be being tired. But hey, um, how about that low quality, high cost lawyer you've been talking about? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, oh, that's bad. All right. So getting back to it. So so when I was when I was suspended, 
I really, you know, came up with this idea that we needed to have high quality, affordable uh, attorneys in the space because it just it didn't exist. And so um, that's really where I came up with this idea behind it. So it's eighty nine dollars a month. You can talk to me. You can talk to my paralegals anytime. You schedule calls with us. We're happy to walk you through issues, you know, on a proactive basis. So that way you don't get in trouble. And then also we're there to help you on the reactive side if you do. Uh, you don't pay anything extra. So anything that happens on Amazon or Walmart, uh, you're covered. And we take care of it for you from, you know, A to Z so that you don't have to worry about it. And that's phenomenal because I know in this industry, there's a good number of players and they'll, they'll charge you thousands of dollars to handle some of the circumstances that you're, you cover. So Absolutely. I really want to encourage folks to go to, we'll stick it in the show notes as well, but go to Jeff Schick's website, jeffschick.com. There's a link in the show notes and check out this offer. We don't get, we're not getting paid a percentage of this to promote it. I'm promoting it because it's awesome. We use it. A lot of people on our team are using it. Once your account hits a certain size, it makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like buying insurance. You know, it's like, Hey, I, I can just, I can sleep better at night knowing that I've got a true pro on call if needed, if anything does happen. But I think you're going to put a lot of people at ease uh, with today's discussion, man. That was a great topic. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We'll do it again real soon. Talk to you then. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.